0: So Wednesday night we uh, drove down to Atlanta to watch Atlanta United two because they were hosting Rio Grande Valley, which of course Ricky Ruiz and Jonathan Ricketts from last year's squad, uh, both playing there, uh, both got to play, had good games. Um, The Ricketts family outnumbered the Atlanta United two fans, Um, but uh, there was a couple other kids uh, from the Chattanooga Red Wolves Academy along with my son, and so there were a small group of Atlanta United who were uh, the supporter group, they were playing drums, they were chanting, they were picking on uh, Rio Grande Valley players. And the five or six kids from the Chattanooga Red Wolves Academy were immediately jumping to O's defense and Ricky's defense and uh, going back and forth with the grown men. And uh, someone made a comment that it was pretty funny how those grown men were getting completely roasted by the Goonies. Soccer chat with two T's, because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city.
1: All right, so welcome to episode two of this week.
0: I'm exhausted. (laughs)
1: All right, so Alex, I'm going to start us off by asking a little bit more about that that game that, that you you went and saw former Red Bulls players that are now in championship for Rio Grande. Can you tell us a little bit about what what the uh, the play difference was going to a live championship game, even though they were playing a an MLS two team? Which you know, any of our listeners that have previously watched MLS two teams that that were in League One know that's hit or miss on how good they are. And I think right now Atlanta United mostly miss. What was your impressions of the play? So one of the
0: things to keep in mind that uh, fans were telling us on the way out, because they actually, you know, they they were going back and forth with the academy kids, but they thought it was awesome. Uh, and they were really good sports, especially after the game for, for all that. Uh, cool. Most of Atlanta United 2 is actually playing with Atlanta United 1 because a good chunk of Atlanta United 1 is on injured reserve. um so there were a couple of kids who probably were not able to drive themselves to that atlanta united two game oh wow uh playing i i you know i think the quality there's there's a little bit it's a little bit faster um you know we've played atlanta united two through the preseason and there again there's not a lot you can take from preseason but we do normally uh win those games against them um rgv jumped out to a two-goal lead Uh, Atlanta United scored three unanswered and then RGV answered again on their own, uh, ended up winning in a goal at stoppage time. I, I don't feel like there was a huge gap between championship and league one. Um, Neither of these teams, uh, you know, Rio Grande Valley is, is pretty good. Uh, It's pretty, pretty well spread out in the Western conference, uh, but they're not at the very top of that division. We all know, that the East is kind of top-heavy with three or four teams. Atlanta United, Two is not one of those. So this was kind of a lower-level championship game. I think it was pretty, pretty close. Uh, like I said, Ricky Ruiz, he came off the bench. I think he made a very positive impact. He's played every game for Rio Grande Valley so far this year. Jonathan Ricketts, I believe, has played in every game, even though you could see he's wearing a brace on his elbow. Uh, he got subbed at halftime because he took a knock. Uh, that required treatment at the end of the first half. So uh, hopefully he's still healthy and and able to continue to play. But those guys are seeing good minutes with the championship team that they signed with. So I think that's a a good uh, sign of what it is that the Red Wolves are developing Um, and that it's not that big of a leap to go from League One to championship.
1: So let me ask you another question. Was, Was there a difference in the quality of the pro refs?
0: Uh no, in fact the referee who refereed Saturday's game between Greenville and Chattanooga was the fourth official. Oh wow. The United 2 game. Uh no, I I there was again a couple of times where he was incredibly late. Um maybe because I wa- I didn't have a huge dog in the fight. Like I I wanted to see Rio Grande Valley do well, uh more, more than anything I wanted to see Ricky Ruiz or Jono score a goal cuz it would have been awesome uh for yeah. their success. So I don't think I was as emotionally invested, um, but uh, he didn't wow me, the referee in the championship game. We'll say that.
1: All right. So as most people are probably not turning in to get a uh, Rio Grande Valley podcast, um, being that they are not out of Chattanooga, and it's a, this is a Chattanooga-based podcast, uh, let's turn to that, mid- Wade. <laughs> that midweek game. Uh, have you got a chance to watch the replay? Obviously, you weren't watching it live. I have
0: not, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life right now. All
1: right. So this is going to fall mainly on me to give kind of my impression. So I'll start with this. Um, we were, we were, we were holding our own the first half. Um, the first corner kick goal, I think you could make the argument. I've gone back and rewatched it. You could make the argument that that could have fallen on tour, that he should have come out and punched it away. Um, the second corner kick goal, I don't think a single keeper in our league stops—not uh, a one. Uh, I think that was just a perfectly crossbar ball, way too far for the keeper to be able to take it. Um, what with too much power for him to be able to drop back and get it, you could make some arguments that that's on the defense because they allowed a free jump in to take the header. But once that header's coming towards towards Tor, I don't think he had a chance. And that third goal in that uh, as well, I just don't think that's a goal that's going to be stopped by any keeper. That said, what did you think about the fact that at halftime, our uh, coach decides to switch the keeper? That's not the most common thing you see unless an injury is involved.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they don't tell us until three weeks later if there is an injury involved. Um, But, I mean, I guess really our questions have kind of been answered. And I don't want to lay all this at Tor's feet. I don't think it's all Tor's fault. I've seen the highlights of the third goal. yeah, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for not being able to to get to that shot from outside the box. It looked like it was pretty well placed in that top corner. Um, but I think our question was answered. Tor started the game. It didn't really change the dynamic of the defensive struggles that we've had. So I think some people are maybe being a little too hard on Tor. Yeah, uh, I don't think this is a one-person issue. I've had problems with Jorge Luna defensively. Um, I think when they move Devin Benton from the outside right into center back, I think he struggles a little. Uh, it's been frustrating that we haven't been able to get as much of Cardona uh, in the game. Uh, there have been times where Capizucci has looked a little shaky. Um, and, and then you could probably move on forward uh, the, of defensive responsibilities from the midfield that might help take the pressure off. Uh, times where maybe we need to do a better job possessing the ball and building up a little slower instead of constant turnovers that lead to fast breaks. Um, we're coming into a game against Union Omaha this Saturday. Literally, all they want to do is kick the ball long and hope that their forwards can get a good angle on a defender and get past them. Um, Which scares and that's me. Where, that's where we've struggled. That is, You're right. That's scary. Um, but to me, that means that in our midfield – uh, with our wingers, we have to do a better job protecting the ball, holding possession, getting some tempo passing, um, and maybe a little bit of a slower buildup to try to take away the other team's ability to uh, to hit that long ball and, and get through between our defenders.
1: Yeah, the one thing I will say, if you're looking for a positive um, out of this game, um now, Alvarez did come on and make a couple of good saves. I would argue one of his great saves in that game was because of a little bit of selfishness from the Richmond team. Like Literally, it was a play where the Richmond player came forward, had a massive breakaway, made a good move on the defender, and had a one-on-one with our keeper. It, all he has to do for a good 10 yards is just make a pass to the right, and the other Richmond player had a tap in. But fortunately, when you're up three, that's not really what your mindset is. Your mindset uh-huh. score. <laughs> um, it, but even then it was still a great save by, by Alvarez. Now I've been one of his biggest critics because I think he's let in some of the easy stuff, right? <laughs> he's had some great saves throughout the season. That's not been my criticism of him. My criticism has been more about some of the things that I think should be simple saves for a keeper at this level. He's, he's allowed through he allowed, he allowed a ball through his legs that just shouldn't have gone through his legs in, in the last home game. Right. Right. Or two home games ago, the last one I attended because I was against Quago. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there's been some of that. But if Tor is not going to be able to organize the defense any better, if the defense is going to give up opportunities that shouldn't necessarily be there, then you're gonna you're gonna lean on Carlos because Carlos is better with the ball at his feet. Now he's not he's not what the Atlanta United two keeper was with the ball at his feet, who seemed like he was playing midfield at times when I switched over to that game uh versus Rio Grande. I was like, what this guy is like he's not just coming up. Yeah, it was
0: Sebastian Moramora levels of roaming.
1: Yeah, I was it was impressive. (laughs) So he's not doing that, but he he does, and you've pointed this out, he he has a soft touch with his punts that perfectly land in stride. That's gonna be a strength he's always gonna bring. Um I just felt like you know that we from looking at highlights of Tor in the past, looking at um, how he really looked in that first game, I thought he was the better traditional actual like keeper keeper, right? And it didn't it didn't matter in this game. Like, I still think we lose that game two nothing with Alvarez in there, if not three nothing. And I could always also argue that Tor actually had a couple of pretty good kick saves that I don't know if Alvarez makes in that first half as well. So I don't lay this at Tor's feet. Uh, and I'm not also saying that Tor should get the next start either. I think Alvarez brings something different that Tor can't. And if you're not going to get, you know, your Trilk Mangles type keeper out of your other option, then you go with the one that's going to give you a better chance to start offense from behind. Um, this is another one of those games where you really can't compare first half to second half either, because they're two different Richmond teams. Uh, that first half, you take out 10 minutes. It's an even game, right? There's a, mm-hmm. It's basically a 10 minute failure from the 38th minute, 30 whatever, they scored 37th, 38th minute till, till halftime. And in the second half, they parked the junk out of the bus. Like they had 10 men in the box. Like it, it was, it was not a attempt at all at offense and which makes it even worse that we ended up giving up multiple opportunities that Alvarez did save because that says even more about my worry of, of that's kind of what, what you see out of um, Union Omaha, they they pretty much park a bus and then kick it over the top and it created two opportunities for Richmond doing that. That worries me. Like I look forward to our schedule and and I'm worried at, based off the defense that we've been putting out there. And the fact that now our offense has kind of dried up. So what's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, you know, that's, it's what Greenville does as well. It's what's so frustrating about them being the league's golden child is, you know, oh, we're going to have the team that parks the bus and, uh, maybe gets a counterattack and falls over so that the referee gives them a free kick in a good spot uh is the team that we all want to worship and and think is just the greatest thing ever instead of the people who are trying to play exciting attacking soccer in a brand new stadium that they built uh with the league promoting the league in mind but the, yeah and and so the, all these teams know especially the way that we've been defending we can sink in and we can Clutter everything up in the box, and that'll frustrate their offense. And at some point, the defense will switch off, and we can beat them and, and see what and take our chances. Uh, and so, it, it's not been good right now. They need to. They need to. The whole team needs to look each other in the eye and decide what they're going to be. Now, we had a rough time where we had the loss to Tucson, and we had the loss at Greenville, and they responded well in that next game against Northern Colorado. Um, How are they going to respond in this game against Union Omaha? And can we get that to carry forward? Because we had a great response against uh, Northern Colorado, and then things kind of got right back down in the dumps. Um, So we're at a point now, there is plenty of time to turn things around. We're we're getting to a third of the way through the season. So we've got two thirds of the season left. Um, I think you and me would both agree. This is a team that we look at and it's not that they aren't good enough. It's that they're not playing to their potential.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a fair statement, but I also think when do we start saying that we misjudge their potential when we're nine games in? Yeah. So if we look at the rest of this month, and we've we've got quite a few games left, right? In the, in, in the month of June, we still have five games remaining. How many points do we have to get out of those five games for you to still feel confident that this team will go into July, August, September, and be a team that is on the upswing versus one that you're going, oh, I hope we make the playoffs?
0: I think you, you're looking to, you know, you need to get more than 10. Uh, you know, 15, of course, is ideal. but um, <laughs> But yeah, we're, we're going to have to come up with wins uh, in these next few games. Um, right now, I, you know, I did some, some simple math looking at kind of points per game and where you want to be in order to get to the playoff line. And the average is normally about 1.4 points per game. Uh, at the moment, we're at 1.2. So we're below that pace. Yeah. Um, we've always finished above that pace uh, in our history. Uh, So I think here again, I think it's possible to turn things around to play a little bit better, uh, but that's pretty much what you're, what you're looking for. Um, We, we need to get back on that pace and here again, you know, the way that coach Oblata talks, getting to the playoff line, isn't the goal. The goal is to be one of those top three, top four uh, teams that are hosting playoff games, hosting a semifinal, uh, finishing in first place so that we're hosting the league one championship. Uh, we can all boo Jake Edwards because the league lifts, hangs us out to dry all the time.
1: Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned that, that points per game and I haven't done the exact points per game numbers, but just looking at the actual standings, we've played more games than anyone and other teams below us all except for one, if they were to get to nine games with wins in those games would bypass us. So mm-hmm. theoretically we could be, at the nine game mark which i think would be a, a good table to kind of look at down the road like where did you actually go th- when everyone had played the same amount of games like on a on an up and down scale right
0: uh-huh.
1: um we could theoretically be the the 10th team right now when everybody's played nine games um that said it still doesn't put us far from the top right because it's really crunched up like at, at number one still sitting because they haven't played since like we last talked still sitting at 14 points and eight games played. They're three points ahead of us with one game less played. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of the table is Ford Madison, who is averaging less than a point a game. So they're probably going to stay close to that bottom based off the performances they've had. I doubt you're hearing a lot of their fans saying, we're not playing up to our potential. I think this is kind of what it was expected um, from them. Uh, they're still on pace to have less wins than jerseys, So good for them. Uh but that's, that's kind of my whole point is I look at these games in the, in the month of June, these five games. And I say, Union know, Omaha is currently in, in 10th. Fuego, I think is a lot better team than other people seem to think. Um, Charlie independence is in first Tucson's not great. Hailstorm. Not great. That's why I think these next four, of these next five games should be winnable. We should be able to beat union Omaha based how they've done during, during the run of league play. Um, now they've played well in the Open Cup, so the question is which team shows up, right? Yeah. But if you go just off league play, four of these five games should be pretty, pretty winnable. And I think you you play Charlotte Independence, and it's an opportunity to show in two games. You know, say we win versus Omaha, we win versus Fuego. It's an opportunity to say that it wasn't because we're playing Omaha and Fuego; it's because we really are the real deal and we're getting it together. Yeah. So. I think 10 points is a good number. If I think if we walk away with 10 points, three wins and a tie out of five games, um, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't want to lose a game. I would love to walk away with 11 points, three wins and two ties, um, or better. But, uh, if we're going to, if we walk out of there though, with like four points, I'm a little worried, uh, just to be quite, quite frank.
0: Yeah. I think that would definitely be the time to push the panic button if that's the case. Um, and then it's back to the drawing board. I don't know. I'm, I'm all for patience uh, with things here. Again, we've got – we talk about whether or not they're reaching their potential. There are very important players who have been injured, who were injured, who are going to be away on national team duty. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if sometime in the next couple of weeks we hear that there's a new center back signing with the team, someone coming on loan or something like that short term. Uh, until we can get Daniel Navarro back and healthy. Um, but that's kind of adding a wild card. It's not necessarily a guarantee that you're going to seal up what the problems are in the center back. It comes down to communication uh, and, and kind of an understanding. So adding a new player to the mix doesn't necessarily make that better, uh, even if he's a higher quality player. So we'll just have to wait and see what kind of thing happens there.
1: So let's turn to the, this this game that is coming up on Saturday. Uh, can you c- tell me the one player that you are most worried about, or that you think is could have the biggest impact from Union Omaha's side?
0: Well, no, because I'm not not ready for that. Tell me who you and I'll do a I, quick look.
1: I'm gonna go actually with their goalkeeper. I, I mean, the fact that Nuho is is averaging such a low um, goals against ratio so far in, in, you know, in six games, you know, they've only given up five goals, right? That's, that's pretty impressive. And I think a lot of it does have to do with he, he plays a a strong keep and we've struggled when we play a strong keeper, you know, you look at some of the um, games where we could have won by more, I think based off of the amount of buildups and the amount of opportunities we got, and we've faced a good keeper, it's a struggle for us. And we are a team that really, needs to get an early goal, I think, to settle us after not getting anything for the last two games. And so I think he could be the key component. If he doesn't come out and play great, that's great for us. If he comes out and and plays like I think he can, I think it could be a really, really bad game for us. You're not going to go go to Alex Bruce, are you?
0: I'm going to piggyback on you. There is, yeah, Soccer Chat's official uh, official player, Alex Bruce, uh, who's been around League One with multiple teams. Uh, and he's a you know pretty good attacker. Um. Yeah, I got nothing. None that's, of them truly scared me. This is I'm, not your grandfather's Union Omaha. A lot of the players, you know, Greg Hurst scared me. Uh, yeah, Fanikor Decker, really good. He scared me. Those guys aren't there anymore. Um. So they've got the the same. You know, Rashid Nuhu is a very good keeper has an incredible punting leg that can kick it the length of the field uh, and their tiny little stadium in their uh, baseball stadium. Um, Which is how they, you know, that's the thing. They park the bus and then they only have to take like two steps forward and they're in the attacking zone or, you know, the attacking third. And uh, so that's what they do. Um, This field's a little bit bigger, but we've seen that unfortunately some of our defenders can get turned. So I'm, I'm, Wanting to see what's going to happen with those kind of long balls. Um, I'm excited uh, to see Connor Doyle. Of course, one of the original Red Wolves who's uh, played with Union Omaha the last couple of years. Uh, Excited for him to come back to town. He's always uh, been very friendly. Um, So if you see him, give him a what's up. Don't give him too hard a time. uh, At least, you know, pregame or postgame. And uh, that's really all I got. I think that we can come away with a 3-1 win. um, But it's not going to be easy. And, uh, and I'm hoping to see a good response from this team after the last couple of games.
1: So let me ask you one more question associated with our team on this. Um, and you, and I kind of mentioned this to you via text when you were um, there at the, uh, um, the Ricketts game, as I'm going to refer to it, the Ricketts Ruiz game. Uh, we had a lot of changes that were made to start the game. And then a lot of changes that were made at half, um. What type of setup are you expecting? Are you expecting the more traditional one that we've been seeing? Or do you think we're going to see some of those changes that were made? And I'm thinking specifically about not seeing Rafa in the starting lineup or not seeing um, Luna in the starting lineup. Like, are are there any changes that you're expecting to stay put or do you think he's going to go back?
0: Yeah, I think he's going to go back. I think you saw those changes because it's a road game in the middle of the week in between two home games. Um, you know, unfortunately, none of these games were, you know, teams that you kind of expect to be at the bottom of the table. Like they would have for Greenville, they would have made sure that that middle game was forward Madison so that they at least had kind of a relaxed midweek game (laughs) in between two big home games. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think the rotation on Wednesday was to make sure he had the fresh legs for the home game. Um, and the way that Richmond played, you know. Here again, I, I don't think he necessarily was like, oh, I'm looking to play for a draw. Um, but I think he rotated a lot of people to kind of keep legs fresh and make sure that he's managing minutes for everyone on that quick turnaround from Saturday to Wednesday uh, and have people ready. So you're going to see Rafa in the starting lineup. You're probably going to see Luna and Capizucci um, and and things like that in the midfield. Uh, the, you know, the same guys that we've been seeing, Wally, Villalobos, Carrera, Garcia, um and then your your normal up front. Um, possibly Brian Beamant. I'm not sure. He was subbed out, I think, with concussion protocol. So yep. we may have a full 90 minutes of Galindra's again, because it doesn't seem like Tashir is completely ready to play yet. Uh fingers crossed on that. I would love for him to be on the bench to to at least give us a good uh forward substitution um yeah. and see what happens there. But yeah, I think it's gonna be traditional what we're used to seeing. Um, and the rotation happened Wednesday to kind of keep everyone fresh.
1: That makes sense to me. So I got it, I've got i got it as a one nothing, heartbreaking loss. You've got it as a 3-1 victory. Is that what I heard? Sure. So everyone should assume that I will be wrong and that Alex will be right. And then, then we can be happy when we're leaving the stadium on Saturday.
0: Anytime I get to be at the stadium with the pack, I'm happy.
1: There we go. All right. You got anything else for us?
0: I don't. Oh, wait. Yesterday was uh, helping Wolfman Jeff, who you notice is not here. I was helping him get some furniture moved at his new house. Uh, I noticed you were conspicuously absent during that time, Uh, but we want to give a shout out to our boy still working on getting things moved between houses. Uh, We hope he's back soon. We hope everything's going well. We love you, Wolfman.
1: And I want to thank you for not inviting me, Wolfman. Any, <laughs> anytime you don't invite me to move furniture, I'm a happy person. So thank you. <laughs> and on that note. Bye. Bye. Dad, you're terrible at that bye. Bye. <gasps>